Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 23 this morning. Just as a reminder from last week, we are looking at the Psalms that are part of our uh, weekly Bible reading, looking at one of them. Um, seems like maybe this week this was the only one. There may have been another one. Now I can't remember. I've got my list right here, though, so I can look. Um, yeah, well, there was one more this week, but this is the one that, uh, that jumped out to me. And we're looking at them, we're calling them Christmas songs. Um, We're looking at the Psalms through the eyes of Christmas. What do these Psalms mean for us this side of Christmas? Uh, Again, we will be looking at the text and and what it meant uh, to the the writer and the reader. But but 2,000 years later, or in this Case of the, in the case of the psalm, 3,000 years later. What does that mean for us as we look back? So that's, that's what we're doing uh, through these, uh, these psalms. And, and so, as I said last week, and I'll say again this week, Psalm 22, last week, Psalm 23, this week, these are not passages that I just thought, wow, that would be a great Christmas sermon. Nope, never thought that. But that's where we are, and that's where the Lord has led. So uh, I've been amazed so far, uh, and I'm sure I will continue to be, how he has used it. So, as we come to Psalm 23 this morning, I, I want you to suspend uh, belief for a minute, or not belief, suspend reality. Suspend, uh, I, I want you to, 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 in your mind, be a part of a movie, or however you need to do that, to use your imagination, and imagine this morning that you're one of the shepherds who saw the angels in the hills. Okay, that, that, that's you. You are a shepherd. You know all about shepherding. Uh, you know all about sheep. You were out there. It's, it was cold. Uh, regardless of, you know, we're fairly certain Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. It was much more likely it was sometime in the spring, sometime around April. Who knows? Jesus and I may share a birthday. Uh, we may have both been April 1st babies. Who, who knows? Um, but that, it would have been cold, uh, you'd have been probably gathered around your fire, the sheep would have been in some sort of enclosure there on the hillside, if it were a permanent enclosure, short stone walls, maybe uh, briar bushes around them, something, it would have been by at night, and they would have been settled in and trying to keep warm, and, and they would have had what little food uh, was for their supper, and they were just at this point, passing the time. Passing off each one, keeping watch over the flocks by night. So most of them were probably asleep. There was only one, most likely, that was awake. And you're one of them. It's your imagination. You can be the one that was asleep, or you can be the one that was awake. I don't care. But also imagine that if you are that shepherd, imagine that Psalm 23 is your favorite psalm from your time in synagogue. When you are back home and you do have a few weeks, you, you go to synagogue, you, you sit under the teaching, and you continue to use the worship book that they've used, and, and they sing the psalms, and, and you 
that's the one that that just clicked with you. You remember that one. You can probably quote that one because it talks about God being a, a shepherd. And, and you love that imagery because that's you. I mean, if you were a veterinarian and there were a verse that's talked about uh, God being a veterinarian, you'd be like, that's our verse. That, that'd be hanging on your wall at your veterinary clinic. Or if there was a mechanics verse, you'd hang that one. Well, if the shepherds had walls, they would have hung this verse on their wall, very likely, because it just it meant something to them. So imagine that's what it is. This is your favorite song from synagogue. And then imagine, put yourself in their place, that you as a shepherd get to go look down on that infant Messiah, the Lord. Your shepherd. As a shepherd, you're looking at this baby that is now your shepherd. And you can make that connection very easily. We're going to do that here in, in just a minute after we read through the passages. But that's, that's what I want you to do this morning. And, and we have that benefit, right? 2,000 years later, we know the shepherds were called and, and told about it. We know they went, we, we know they did that. So we get to look at this verse through their eyes as they kneel next to that feeding trough in that house in Bethlehem. But before we read Psalm 23, let's flip over to Luke 2. And let's read the, the, the passage that, that gets us started here, that, that tells us, that begins the story, at least begins the story for the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Did I put that one on there, Judy? I intended to. Okay, good. Sometimes I don't know what I've done and what I haven't, no matter how many times I check it. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign, uh, the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly... There was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message the shepherds said, to, uh, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now flip back to Psalm 23. The shepherds are told... Come and see this, this, uh, this baby. A Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. And then Psalm 23 begins, the Lord is my shepherd. I think that would have clicked immediately 
for the shepherds. That, that would have meant something to them. Wait a minute. My favorite verse from the Psalms begins with, The Lord is my shepherd. And now I am told to come see Messiah, the Lord. And it's a baby. They knew that. It wasn't a surprise when they got to the, the manger and they saw a baby. They said, wait a minute, I thought we were going to see the, the Savior. They knew it. It, it, it. The baby's born. That's what they're coming to see. So they weren't amazed at that. It, maybe not anymore, because I'm sure that was drowned out by the amazement of the angels. And they come to this manger where this baby is laying. And who knows, maybe one of them thought about this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So that's what I want you to think about this morning as we look at this psalm. You're the shepherd, having just come from the hills outside of Bethlehem where you've heard the angels speak, and now you are witnessing Messiah the Lord is my shepherd, laying in a feed trough. And what's probably ringing in your ears, and this is kind of the two big points of the message, the, uh, what I'm going to use is peace on earth and people he favors. Those are the two things that are going to stand out. It's the last thing you heard standing on that hillside. Peace on earth and goodwill to people he favors. And we come to the manger and we hear the old song, The Lord is My Shepherd. Now, shepherds at this time were, were, were low-class citizens. They just were socioeconomically they weren't middle class, they weren't lower middle, they weren't upper lower, they were lower. They, uh, generally, a shepherd was a shepherd because he was the youngest son. Think back to David, who wrote the psalm. He was, it was where, when, when Samuel shows up to anoint the next king, the, the son of Jesse is going to be the king, he, he goes through all the, the brothers, what, seven brothers, and, and, and none of them, well, where's, where's the youngest? Well, he's out in the field keeping sheep. Well, until David was old enough to do it, it had been his next older brother that had done it. And until he was old enough, it had been the next older brother. It always passed down to the youngest brother. And the youngest brother didn't get much of the inheritance, so he probably would end up being a shepherd the rest of his life. And he would be primarily shepherding for other people. So he would likely never own much of his own flock unless it was some sort of deal that was worked out uh, like it was between um, Isaac and uh, Laban, where so many do this and that, I'm such a good shepherd, you'll give me a cut of it. Uh, uh, we would Share cropping was what we call it when it's a field. I don't know if we call it share sheeping uh, when you do it this way, but, but we'll, we'll make up a term this morning. 
so it was, just, it was just a lower class. But the thing is, throughout Scripture, leaders are called shepherds. And it's not just in uh, Scripture, in, in the, uh, the ancient world. Pagan kings were called shepherds. The, the Egyptians didn't like shepherds. Remember, that's why the, uh, the Israelites had to live in Goshen. They were shepherds. Ew. So the Egyptians didn't like them. Y'all get that land over there so you're not around here with your stinky, smelly sheep and your stinky, smelly selves. You know, you, you, just, you just stay over there. It was, nobody really liked them because they smelled like sheep. They smelled like they'd been out in the field all year. Um, but they weren't despised. They weren't bad people. They just had one of the lesser jobs. And over and over and over, Scripture calls leaders and even calls God a shepherd. We already see some of that dynamic of, of the lowest being raised up. Uh, you look down on these shepherds, I am a shepherd, God says. I am your shepherd, God says. And David says in the first verse of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I, I said they, the, the shepherds wouldn't have been surprised when they got to the manger and seen a baby, and, and uh, they wouldn't have been surprised and seen a baby. He's soft. I'm messing up grammar here. They wouldn't have been surprised when they got to the manger and saw a baby. There we go. But I still think they were a little bit. I mean, yeah, I wonder if, if in, 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 in the whole seeing the angels, they go, Messiah, Lord. Angels singing, okay, we're going to Bethlehem. And then they get there and, and they go, they did say it was a baby, right? That's right, the Messiah. Um, um, the Lord is my shepherd. And they're holding a baby. I mean, they, they got to hold him. I mean, they're, they're looking at may, maybe like, nah, I don't hold babies. But they're looking at Mary holding the, the, the Lord. Messiah the Lord, and it was the same Lord. I mean, it was, they knew when the angel said, Messiah the Lord, that it was the same the Lord as in Psalm 23. They made that connection. No problem. So I think there was some, still some bewilderment looking at that baby and said, that's, that's my shepherd. Because they knew the hardship of being a shepherd. They knew what it was like. They knew how stubborn sheep could be. They knew how dumb sheep could be. They, they knew what it was like to try to get them all together. They also knew the love and the, the, the connection that a shepherd had with his sheep. At night like this, normally a shepherd would take his, during the day when they're feeding, a shepherd would take his flock way over there, and another shepherd would go way over there, and another one, because they've got, there's very little grass, and they'd have to separate, but at night they would come together. That way the shepherds could watch together, they could take turns, and they put all their sheep into a pen together. And they didn't have the fun little ear tags that, that, that ranchers have now 
on these sheep. They didn't brand them or anything like that. They just put them all in there. And most of us, unfamiliar with it, would go, that is a horrible way to do that. Now you're going to spend all day sorting sheep. No, mine had the five spots with the two big ones on his ear. No, yours had the four spots with the three little ones on his ear. Mine was the five spots with the two big ones on On and on and on it would go. But it wasn't like that. Because of the connection between the shepherd and the sheep, one shepherd would go stand over here, another shepherd would go stand over there, and a third one would go back there, and they go... Here, sheep. And his flock would come to him. And their flocks would go to them. Because the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. Because they spent time with the shepherd. And the shepherd talked to them. And when the shepherd called, the sheep knew, that's my shepherd. And he would walk away, and his sheep would follow. And that's just the way it worked. So it amazes them, I think, that they, and it should be amazing you as you imagine yourself the shepherd. You're looking at the baby and saying, this is the one who's going to call me and I'm going to recognize his voice. He's just kind of screeching right now. You know, it's, it's away in the manger's wrong. Lots of crying he made. Right? He was a newborn. He got hungry. He, he got his swaddling clothes messed up, right? I don't want to know this voice. I don't want to know the bleeding, bleating of a baby right now. And yet, that's the voice they would get to know. Of course, the shepherds didn't know it. You don't know it right now. If you're there at the manger, you know it now today. But Jesus is going to one day call himself the great shepherd, the good shepherd. And he's going to say, the sheep know my voice. And he's going to say, I'm the door, I'm, I'm the gate of the sheepfold. The, sheep, the gate of the sheepfold kept the, the sheep in and the predators out. If a predator or a thief had to get, was going to try to get to the sheep, it had to go over the shepherd to get there. That's what Jesus is going to be. That's what the shepherds knew they were to their sheep. And they knew that this baby is going to be that for me. And as we begin the psalm, listen to how personal it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me. He leads me. He renews my life. He leads me. Even when I, I fear, no, you are with me. They comfort me before me and my enemies, my head, my cup will pursue me, my life. I will dwell as long as I live. It is absolutely the most personal psalm in the synagogue worship book. It's, a lot of them are us, and if it is about me, it's the lament of me, but you, God, are going to do something else. This, though, is about how God is personal, how the great shepherd is personal with me, which fits the whole image of the sheep and the shepherd knowing each other. The shepherd names the sheep, and the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Peace on earth, right? That's what I said we're looking at now. The first four verses are peace on earth. Peace and comfort and protection. I have what I need. As a shepherd, when you come to this manger, you know what it is to live with very little you, 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 you have a lunchbox and whatever you can 
uh, scrounge up while you're out there. You, you don't kill the sheep for food because they're not yours. It would be an extreme, extreme uh, urgent situation if you actually did. But you drank their milk, but you don't eat them. You primarily watch these other sheep. You don't make, I mean, the other people's sheep. You, you, you don't make much money. You, 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 it's a subsistence living at best. And you have sung this song, I have what I need. And, and you understand that. You, you look around and you say, I'm still living. I'm still alive. I'm not dead yet. So obviously I have had what I needed up to this point. But now you look at this baby. And you, you see the Lord that's my shepherd. And maybe that next line rings a little bit. Now I have what I need. All of Israel knew they needed a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. The prophets all said the Messiah was coming. King Herod was worried that the Messiah was coming, that was going to take his place on the throne. Everybody was looking forward to this Messiah. They all knew that's what they needed. And now the shepherds, the first people to see the newborn king, get to come and see the shepherd, see the king, see the Savior that was all that they needed. God knew a Savior was needed. God knew even when David wrote the psalm and said, The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. That was very true then. A thousand years before Christ, David had what he needed from the Lord right then. But the Lord knew the time was coming because they were all looking forward to it. From David's line, one of his grandchildren would be the Savior that they and all of humanity needed. And that middle of the night, you as the shepherd that was standing on the hill, get to see that Savior. I have what I need. I have true peace on earth. Verse 2 continues this theme of, of peace and comfort. It says, lie down he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. These two verses are parallels of each other. Lie down in green pastures. Understand that Judean wilderness provided scraggly, patchy grass. And you moved a lot to feed your sheep. Sheep were rugged. They, would, they, were, they weren't quite as uh, omnivorous as goats were. But nearby, they would eat whatever was out there. But what was best for them was some kind of grass. So you had to move around a lot to find the patches of grass that were still living after the rains had come however many months ago. There were no green pastures. So when the shepherd reads, probably didn't read, when he remembers, he lets me lie down in green pastures. The shepherd's thinking, I don't have to walk around anymore. The whole idea here of lying down in green pastures is we can get to a spot where the food is, we can lay down, we can take a nap, we can wake up, and we can eat right where we are again. 
and we can lay down, we can take another nap, maybe stay there all night, get up the mor next morning, and breakfast is right there where we are. I'm in green pastures. I'm not having to look for, for food. Why? Because the previous verse, I have what I need. But I have abundantly beyond all that I could ask or, ask or expect. We're going to learn about Jesus. Quiet waters is very similar. Water was scarce, difficult to reach. If it wasn't rainy season in the hills and the crags, you might find little pools of water here and there, but you had to, to find them. Now, it is true that sheep don't like to drink from fast-moving water, so there's a hint here of quiet waters being peaceful and still waters, but it's more likely that this has a, a, uh, is similar, it's a parallel of the grass. We get to go to a place where there's a pool of water, for all the sheep to drink, very likely it's in the midst of one of those green pastures. So we lie down, we get up, we eat, we drink. We lie down, we get up, we eat, we drink. We're not hunting, we're not striving, we're not hurting, we're not struggling. I have what I need. No doubt, looking at a baby, the shepherds are wondering, how in the world is this baby going to provide the green pastures and, and the quiet waters? Well, that baby's one day, one day is going to say, I'm the bread of life, and I'm the living water. If you drink from me, you will never thirst again. We lie down, we get up, we drink. We lie down, we get up, we drink. Both of these are pictures of peace and safety. Now, the shepherds are isolated, but isolation does not equal peace. If you don't understand that, talk to some of our folks who are stuck at home and have been since March. They have been isolated, but I don't think what they have found is peace, most of them. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest concerns about the, the isolation of the pandemic, particularly of those who are in nursing homes and suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's, is that they are deteriorating more rapidly because of lack of contact with their families. Isolation is not equaling peace. So the shepherd didn't think, well, I've had peace. I hadn't talked to anybody in weeks. That's not what he's thinking he gets peace because of relationship. And of course, a shepherd's life is rarely safe. He is constantly on the lookout for the thieves or more uh, uh, prevalent predators. David talks about those in, in uh, Samuel, which we read a, few week, uh, a week or so ago. When he, Saul said, who is this boy? Well, I, I've taken down lions and bears. I ain't scared of Goliath. A shepherd's life rarely has peace and safety, and yet they come to this manger. And they've been told, peace on earth. I have what I need. David goes on to speak of God as his shepherd by saying, He renews my life. Probably summing up the last two phrases, green pastures and quiet waters. Renewed life would be a physical restoration and a spiritual reinvigoration. Being a shepherd is a 24-hour job. 
there's not a lot of rest. They don't really rest unless there are more than one and they can kind of take turns watching. That's why they probably enjoyed both for the fellowship and the rest of coming together and putting those sheep in a fold and taking turns over the night to watch them. But Jesus, this Messiah, the good shepherd, provides physical rest, but also spiritual reinvigoration. The shepherd remembers the psalm. The shepherd remembers the synagogue. He, he knows that God has, has called him, has spoken to him. He knows the comfort. He knows the Lord is my shepherd. And yet, 24 hours on a hill in a pasture with a few weeks here at home and a couple of times to go to synagogue and worship with his synagogue family does not fill him spiritually. And yet the psalm says he is renewed. The shepherd would feel forgotten by man and God on that hillside. Low class. Humans don't think much of them. What's God done for me lately? I don't get to go to synagogue. I don't get to go to temple. And then some angels show up. When, when, when you think you've been forgotten by somebody and that somebody remembers you. Good feeling? Yes. Imagine being on the hillside and thinking you've been forgotten by everybody. Nobody cares. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, whatever song you're singing, whatever, however deep your emotion runs, and then angels show up and say, I've got news, and you're the first ones to get it. They, they didn't know they were the first ones to get it, but they were the first ones to get it. You, shepherds, stinky, smelly shepherds, struggling, scraping shepherds, you get this news and imagine the spiritual reinvigoration of knowing God knew what hill I was on. God knew where I was. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten as a minister uh, was from a, a, another minister, a friend of mine. And it was less advice, just more encouragement, I think. It was at a time when, in, in a previous church, I knew it was time to go, and, and I knew God was leading us, but I didn't know where or how, and didn't know what steps I needed to take as, uh, as a pastor looking to move on. Do I contact other churches? Do I send out resumes and that sort of thing? And uh, I, I came to the conclusion later on of what I should do, but, but the, the, the encouragement from this friend of mine, this fellow pastor, was God knows where you are. God knows where you are, whether it's uh, in uh, the uh, big church in a big city or a small church in the middle of nowhere or somewhere in between. As you, this morning, as the shepherd, come to that manger, realize God knew right where you were. As, as you imagine yourself as the shepherd this morning, and you're thinking there's no, where is God and what's going on right now in my life? No, God knows right where you are right now.
He has not forgotten you. He will renew your life. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake, David says. Now, a shepherd in getting around an area had to know how to get around to, to where the good things were and get away, stay away from the bad things. Nope, I can't take the sheep through there. That's known for predators. That's known for thieves. We can't get a, a, over a, a, and around the, the, the rocks there. They're too big. They're too hard to climb. We can't cross the water there. It's too fast. We've got to go up here. The shepherd had to know the right paths, both for provision and protection. Right? The shepherd had to know how to take the animals to get them fed, but how to take them in ways where they were protected from danger. That baby would grow up to be the way. The one who knew the right paths to take. The, the right moral paths. The right paths for the future. The paths for provision. Lord, what am I going to do? I've lost my job. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me along the right paths. Lord, what am I going to do in this next phase with my family? How am I going to lead this person to Christ? What am I, how am I going to grow in my faith in this area? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me along the right paths. God, what if I get the virus? Lord, what if, thankfully we're at a hurricane season, but what if there were a third hurricane? Or what if there's one next year? And we have to go through all of this again. Lord, what are we going to do? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me along the right paths. Coming down off of that hill feel sorry for the one guy that had to stay and watch. He didn't get to go see the baby. The rest up, but none of you are that one, okay? Y'all all got to go. They go down and this baby cannot, that's a baby. He doesn't know the paths. He doesn't know the way to go. He was born like 28 minutes ago. There's no way. But Messiah, the Lord, the baby who would grow up to be the way, he knew. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. The darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, is maybe a more poetic way to put it. Here, here's here's the, the, the mind-blowing part about this. Valleys are supposed to be good places. Oh, I'm just in a valley right now. Yay! Well, we don't look at it that way. But valleys are where the water collects. Valleys are where the grass grows. Valleys, the, the, the top of the mountains are the places where it's, it's hard and rough and the wind scrapes it and the snow comes and, 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 and it doesn't hold water so nothing grows there except a, a few pine trees that, whose seeds happen to get stuck in the cracks a little bit here and there. It, it, that's the rough places. The mountaintops are barren. I mean, unless you're in Tennessee. We're talking about the Rockies, okay? The mountaintops are barren. The valleys or where the rivers are, where the good pasture is, 
shade from the sun, shelter from the wind. But who else knows that? The predators, the enemies. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was known for bandits. Why? That was the only way to get from Jerusalem to Jericho. So the bandits would hide out there. They, they knew people had to come that way. That was, that was where they were, would be. The predators, the enemies, know that the valley is where you want to be. So when we read this passage, we should be thinking, even though I walk through this area that seems to have all that I need, green pastures, quiet waters, comfort, I know that there is danger and evil that lurks there, waiting to grab me. Y'all, this is, y'all ain't hearing me, because this is a spiritual thing. It is when we are walking through the green pastures and the valleys of peace and comfort that the devil comes in and gets us. We are least wary when everything's going good. When we know we're being surrounded by stuff. When we know the devil's coming at us, we're watching for him. But when we are comfortable, when we think everything is good, that's when he pounces. But we have a shepherd. And we don't have to fear that valley. And did, did you chuckle maybe at the thought of a baby leading in the valley, the shepherd coming down from the hill to the manger? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to lead me, right? Or maybe... Maybe there were really good students growing up, going to synagogue, reciting their scriptures, and maybe they remember Isaiah chapter 7. Maybe that rings in their ears just a little bit, where the promise is made that the Messiah is going to be with them the whole time. Where it says, he will be, uh, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. God with us. So maybe as uh, the shepherd comes with this passage ringing in his ears, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. God with us. So he looks at that baby. Because he's already been told, Messiah the Lord lays here in front of me. Emmanuel. God is with us. Lord, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Shepherd knew all about the rod and the staff, the purpose of them. Jesus is going to teach that later on about using it, the sheep passing under and being counted. The rod is for defense, the staff is for direction. We would say discipline or discipleship. The crook on the end of the staff could be used for rescue, but primarily it was the long stick that was used to guide, to direct. The, the rod was shorter, it was a club, 
normally would have some sort of nails or something on the end of it used for defense. It would hang in the belt, they would walk with the staff, they would carry the rod, and both were vital for the shepherd in his leading of his sheep. The shepherd knew, as he reads this psalm, the comfort and the importance of both of those tools. He knew that sometimes he had to use the rod to protect his sheep, and sometimes he had to use the staff to discipline them, to guide them, to direct them. Well, that baby is going to grow up to know both the use of the rod and the staff. In the temple, Jesus brought out the rod. It was a whip in that case, but... He was using the rod. The rod, the, the, the shepherd, the good shepherd was using the rod to protect his people from false teaching, from things that would creep in to the church, in that case the temple, creep in to his people and corrupt them and get them off track and get their focus off of their Savior and onto other things. So he brought out the rod when necessary. He brought out the rod slash staff with his own disciples when necessary. What are y'all arguing about? Oh, you think you're good enough to sit on my right and my left. Let me tell you what that's going to entail, little boys. Peter, really? You don't think I need to go to the cross? You don't think I... Get behind me, Satan. That was a little bit, little rod, little staff right there. Little defense, little, little direction, little discipling, little disciplining. The, word, the, the, the words of Isaiah 9, now, now they are being, the shepherds are being really good students if they remember this one. Isaiah 9, another prophecy of the Messiah, tells us that the, the shepherd, the Messiah, will be shattering ungodly rods and staffs. Well, you do that by the strength of your own rod and staff. See, a lot of times we, we think we have to attack what is false when really what we have to do is focus on and be sure of what is true and live what is true. And that will shatter the ungodly rods and staffs. It may, it does, it, it, we can't destroy it, number one. That is the Messiah's job. We need to trust the, the rod and the staff of our Savior. So peace on earth. That's what the angels told them. It's the last words they hear, or the next to the last phrase they hear as they come to see this baby and the first four verses of Psalm ring in their ears. To people he favors. Goodwill to people he favors. And these last two verses show us that. Verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Shepherds knew only lunch kits and fire pits. They didn't have prepared tables. They had no servants. And a, a table, really? A table in the valley where the predators are? Because that's, that's where they are if we, if we take this at all chronologically, which may not be at all how David meant it. But verse 4, I'm in a darkest valley. And in verse 5, you're preparing the table in front of my enemies. It's the valley where the enemies are most likely to show up. And now you're preparing a table right there where they are. 
fellowship with God? That's really what this is. We take the image of the table into the New Testament and it's fellowship. Right? That's how, what we were talking about in Philippians. The, the, the importance of fellowship. The, 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 uh, the, the true goal of fellowship. Of coming together for a purpose. And that purpose is to build relationship, to disciple ourselves and others and bring them closer to God. So this table, fellowship, hold on God, you know I'm a shepherd, right? You know I'm, I'm nothing, I'm, 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 I'm the youngest boy, I've got this and that's it. You know, I actually talk to the sheep because nobody else will talk to me. They think I'm nuts when I'm, I'm you know, but, but that, that's, that's, that's what I do. Why not you? Why not the shepherd fellowshipping with God? Y'all got the angels. Y'all got the big announcement. There's nobody else that got the baby announcement from angels. As a matter of fact, you got to be the messenger to other people. The angels didn't show up to anybody else. You, you got to hear about it. They come to this manger and they see the Lord, my shepherd, in there. And they might, the shepherds, might actually start to believe God wants a relationship with me. He wants table fellowship with me. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. Anointing, which would be honor. Honor for the low class. Lord, you're honoring me? You would honor me, a shepherd? You would honor me by showing me my Savior. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-five, 25, that we talked about last week, showed us that. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will be in a place I really don't belong based on how other people perceive me because you will anoint me. My cup overflows, he says, bounty for the poor. Psalm twenty two twenty six tells us that the humble will eat and be satisfied. Twenty three, Psalm twenty three. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Jesus came for everybody, but usually that meant everybody who was worthy, everybody who was something. Jesus came to let the poor and the lowly who didn't believe they were anything and whom others did not believe were anything, let them know you are something to God. This morning, every one of you, every one of us, we are something special to God. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter who we are. He loves us. And He has honored us by presenting His Savior to us, and here they were, you are the shepherds at the Savior's birth. Goodness and faithful love, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. The predators pursue, the enemies pursue, and that's the image here. 
We say, uh, some of our older translations say follow, that doesn't, just doesn't quite capture the intensity of the word. Chase down, try to catch is the, the passage, is, is the word here. Only goodness and faithful love. Not my enemies, not my trials. The only thing that is pursuing me is goodness and faithful love. The, the, the angels pursued the shepherds right there on the hillside. God was pursuing His people with an indescribable love. That, that word for loving kindness for many of us, goodness and faithful love, in some of our translations, it's actually a word in Hebrew that is incredibly hard for us to translate because it captures so much in one word. That's why we have to say loving kindness. We can't just say love. We can't just say kind. We can't just say mercy or grace. We have to say faithful love, loving kindness. It could take up three or four English words to translate this one word that sounds like a sore throat in Hebrew, chesed. And God says, that is what is chasing you is pursuing you. We sing the song, and I've mentioned it before after we've sung it or before we've sung it, but I, I, I want to mention it again. We sing a song that says, Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. That's, we're singing Psalm 23 right there. It is pursuing us. God continually pursues us. He chases us and says, I have a Savior for you. Come and see Him. Today is born to you a Savior who is Christ, of Christ the Lord. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. A shepherd's ears hear a house. And I, and I just imagine a tear or two. A house to live in, not a field. A home, a relationship with God, the house of the Lord, me, a shepherd, a relationship with God through this baby, God's house, where normally a shepherd would not be welcomed as is, God says you're welcomed as And then for the shepherd to stand there and with, with the animals around and the, the baby in the feed trough to, to go, the Messiah is born like this? There may actually be hope for me. The Lord is my, shep my shepherd. I, I have what I need. This morning, you need to find in that manger your shepherd. It doesn't look right. It looks off a little bit. We, we got the benefit of 2,000 years, right? We have scripture. But come this morning to the manger with the eyes of the shepherd in the middle of the night to see this newborn and to see your shepherd, come with the same awe as if the angels have just told you something that you've been taught to hope for 
And now you get to experience Psalm 23 in living technicolor right there in front of you. Find in that manger your shepherd. Find the peace. Green pastures, quiet waters, renewed life, right paths. Presence in the darkest valley. Find the peace that the Savior provides. Find direction and protection. Trust the rod and the staff of your shepherd. The rod that protects you, the staff that directs you. Find provision and abundance in a prepared table, in an anointed head, and in an overflowing cup. Find love that you can't explain or accept as the loving kindness of God pursues you all the days of your life, lives and catches. You can't outrun him. He catches you. Find a relationship today that will never end. You can dwell in the house of the Lord forever and eternity with Him through the Savior, through Jesus Christ. Come to the great shepherd and let today be the day when you can say with the shepherds at the manger, with all those who believed, the Lord is my my shepherd. Understand your sinfulness. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we needed the Savior. Savior from sin. The wages of those sin is death. But God gives us eternal life. An opportunity to dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. In Jesus Christ our Lord. That baby in a manger, that baby that would grow up and die for us, proving to us how much God loved us even while we were sinners. And any who call the lowliest to the highest, the most sinful to the least sinful, whatever that means, any who call on the name of the Lord, any who will say, the Lord is my shepherd, will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And you can sing for the ages and with the ages, the Lord is my shepherd. Pray with me. Thank you, God. That you still bring the shepherds off the hill. You still bring the lowly and broken and forgotten. And you introduce them to the Savior. Lord, may our lives be an angel singing to those around us who have never experienced salvation through Jesus Christ. May they see in us, may they hear from our very lips, come and see the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And Lord, may we live in the reality of Psalm 23, 
because of that birth 2,000 years ago, that cross 33 years after that, where we got to have our sins crucified and our salvation secured. God, thank you for that. Thank you for being our shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today is your time of decision, wherever you are, here with us in the building, somewhere out there in internet land, to decide, do you accept Christ today? Do you make the good shepherd your shepherd? You trust him for salvation, do you follow him? Believer, do you need to change something in your life? We're going to sing, we're going to talk about coming as faithful people We've already sung about coming as unfaithful. Now we're going to sing about coming as, as faithful. We all, every one of us, regardless of where we are, spiritually, need to come to that manger. Come, everybody. See your Savior this morning as we sing and as we worship Him today.